Welcome to Reclaiming the Faith with Phil Baker, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. You can find links to all of Phil's resources at philsbaker.com. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today and take a moment to share this podcast with your friends. Now, here's Phil. Hey, y'all, this is a very special day for me because today I'm releasing my new book, Faithful Witness, The Early Church's Theology of Martyrdom. And here in episode 114, I'm going to give y'all chapter three for free. Now, there are audio, Kindle, and paperback options all on Amazon for you to check out. And if you don't want to use Amazon for whatever reason, you can find the Kindle and audio versions on pretty much anywhere that you can find those types of formats. There'll be links for you in the show notes that you can go check this book out. And if it's a blessing to you, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you purchase it. Uh, also, if this episode is a blessing for you, please consider leaving a rating and review on my Apple podcast channel, Reclaiming the Faith. And if you feel led to support this ministry financially, you can do so by becoming uh, one of my patrons and going to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Baker for $5 or more a month. You'll not only get access to two monthly videos and the back catalog of all those videos, you'll also get access to almost all of my uh, songs that I've put out uh, for the last two years and even audio versions of this book. So consider that as well for $5 or more a month there on patreon.com slash Phil S. Baker. I'm blessed to be a part of the Omega Frequency family. And if you're not a subscriber already to those two Omega Frequency channels, go check them out on YouTube, Omega Frequency and Omega Frequency Live. You'll get content uh, every week from the Omega Frequency family. All right, guys. Well, without any further ado, let's get into chapter three of my book, Faithful Witness, and this chapter is called Lifestyle Martyrdom. Chapter 3 Lifestyle Martyrdom. Quote, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Unquote. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. The earliest followers of Jesus were not called Christians until the gospel reached Antioch of Syria in Acts chapter 11. Originally, they were called followers of the way. Most likely, they derived this term from the Lord Jesus calling himself the way in John chapter 14 verse 6. However, we can see the concept of the way of the Lord originating in the first book of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 17 through 19, the Lord and two angelic beings have been speaking with Abraham about the birth of Isaac, which God promises will come the next year. Just before leaving Abraham, the Lord decides to tell Abraham what is about to happen to the corrupt city where his cousin, Lot, is staying. The Lord says, quote, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed? For I have chosen him, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice." Here, we find that the way of the Lord is closely tied to acting righteously and justly. These two words are frequently tied together, and in a general sense, they speak to human actions of which God approves. 
Think of Micah chapter 6, verse 8, when the Lord says that his followers are required to, quote, do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God, unquote. Just as we see the antitheses of righteousness and justice in unrighteousness and injustice, the Bible sets forth two ways or two paths. Before the Israelites enter the promised land, Moses addresses the people in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and informs them that God has set before them two paths to choose between, the way of blessing and the way of cursing. The way of blessing is taken by acting in accordance with what God approves, and the way of cursing is chosen by rebelling against his commands. Moses summarizes these two paths in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. Quote, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, and death and adversity, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Unquote. Unfortunately, the book of Judges shows us that it wasn't long after taking possession of the promised land that the people began to stray from the way of life. Perhaps that's because lessons are better caught than taught. So, several hundred years later, the Lord hints through the prophet Isaiah that one day the Lord himself would visibly show and tell us how to follow him. Isaiah chapter 30 verses 20 through 21 declares, quote, Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Unquote. Just like he always does, God kept his promise. One day, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, the people did behold the Lord, their teacher. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22 records, quote, Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. Unquote. Ray Vanderlaan believes that what you just read looks very similar to interactions between rabbis and their prospective disciples who had excelled in Bet Midrash, which is kind of like high school for Jewish boys in the first century. Most young men didn't even attend Bet Midrash, for if they weren't considered the best of the best, the rabbis would tell the students that Though they loved God, they need to learn their father's trade. 
This would apply to most of Jesus' disciples, for we see many of them working in their father's trade and are called by the Sanhedrin unschooled ordinary men. So, for Rabbi Jesus to call young men like Peter and John to follow him was a bit strange, since they were not considered the best of the best. Vanderlaan continues, quote, A few, very few, of the most outstanding Bet Midrash students sought permission to study with a famous rabbi, often leaving home to travel with him for a lengthy period of time. These students were called Talmidim in Hebrew, which is translated disciple. There is much more to a Talmid than what we call student. A student wants to know what the teacher knows for the grade, to complete the class or the degree or even out of respect for the teacher. A Talmid wants to be like the teacher, that is, to become what the teacher is. That meant the students were passionately devoted to their rabbi and noted everything he did or said. As the rabbi lived and taught his understanding of the scripture to his students, Talmidim listened and watched and imitated so as to become like him. Since a Talmud was totally devoted to becoming like the rabbi, he would have spent his entire time listening and observing the teacher to know how to understand the scripture and how to put it into practice. Unquote. As we saw in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11, the disciples' Lord and teacher didn't just talk the talk, he modeled the way he expected his disciples to walk. So, in calling his disciples to put others above themselves, serve each other and their enemies, Jesus washed their feet and the feet of his betrayer. He then said in verses 13 through 17, quote, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Unquote. Being that he is both Lord and God, Jesus rightly taught with authority. However, we must be careful not to read Scripture through a 21st century lens. Vanderlaan again helps us understand the concept of a rabbi's authority from a 1st century A.D. standpoint. Quote, Jesus seems to be a type of rabbi believed to have smika, or authority to make new interpretations. Most of the teachers were Torah teachers, teachers of the law, who could only teach accepted interpretations. Those with authority could make new interpretations and pass legal judgments. Crowds were amazed because Jesus taught with authority, not as their Torah teachers. Rabbis invited people to learn to keep the Torah. This was called taking the yoke of Torah or the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Rabbis with smicha would have a new interpretation or yoke. Unquote. We first see Jesus teaching with authority and explaining his yoke in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Here, Jesus frequently says, You have heard it said, but I say unto you, which demonstrates he was a rabbi with smicha. The Beatitudes, which are found at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, give a summation of Rabbi Jesus' yoke. Quote, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. 
He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Unquote. Remember, a true rabbi will not merely speak his yoke, he will live it. Perhaps the best singular statement which displays the Lord Jesus embodying the Beatitudes is found in Philippians chapter 2. In what is called the Christ hymn, Paul writes, quote, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Unquote. Notice that Jesus' life of humility for the kingdom of heaven brought him extreme exaltation in the end. If there was ever an example of what it looks like to be poor in spirit, it was the Lord of heaven and earth taking up the role of a slave. The sinless Prince of Peace was scourged and crucified in order to bring peace to his enemies. Want to see true meekness? Look at the Son of Man emptying himself of his right to do whatever he wants and instead choosing to let himself be crucified that we might become sons and daughters of God. This is the way of the Lamb. This is the way of life, and it is not for the faint of heart. In fact, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, quote, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Unquote. The word narrow is thlebo in Koine Greek, which can also mean pressure or persecute. In case his disciples still didn't understand just how difficult the way of the Lord is after hearing the Sermon on the Mount, he made it crystal clear when he called the twelve to be his apostles. As you read these verses from Matthew chapter 10, try to make a mental list of various difficulties and forms of persecution Jesus says are coming to the apostles. Quote, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. 
But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher, and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who can kill the body but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Unquote. Jesus' followers will be hunted, arrested, scourged, and tortured, betrayed by family members, hated by the world, maligned and slandered, threatened with death, tempted to deny their faith, murdered. And all of these things will happen because they take up the yoke of their rabbi Jesus, the way of the lamb. As difficult as it is to believe, the way of the lamb is the way of truth, the way of blessing, the way of life. Scripture teaches that there are two ways. There is God's way. And then there is our way. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 7 through 9, the Lord declares, quote, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Unquote. The Apostle Paul lived out these verses from Isaiah. He truly makes them come alive. Standing before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 22, verses 3 through 8, Paul testifies, quote, 
I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you are all today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them, I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Unquote. Paul sincerely thought that he was following the way of the Lord, but his heart had deceived him. He believed he had a righteous pursuit, but it was actually wicked. Fortunately, Paul forsook his thoughts and ways, repented, and turned to the Lord, who poured out great compassion and forgiveness upon him. Not long after Luke wrote the book of Acts, another document was written known as the Didache, or the Teaching. The document's actual title is The Teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles Through the Twelve Apostles. The author is unknown, but the Didache is the earliest extra-biblical Christian document, and from the very beginning it contrasts the two ways. In chapter 1 we read, quote, There are two ways, one of life and one of death, and there is a great difference between the two ways. The way of life is this. First of all, you shall love the God who made you. Secondly, your neighbor as yourself. And do nothing to another that you would not have befall yourself. Now, of these words, the doctrine is this. Bless those who curse you, and pray for your enemies, and fast for those who persecute you. For what merit is it if you love those who love you? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? But love those who hate you, and you shall not have an enemy. Unquote. Now that sounds a lot like the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't it? Following the teachings of Jesus, specifically those found in the Sermon on the Mount, truly was a way of life for the earliest Christians because they viewed Jesus' teachings as they are, the way of life. And this passionate belief in and adherence to the commands of Jesus by the early Christians was not limited to the first century A.D. A disciple of the Apostle John named Ignatius of Antioch also wrote about the two ways at the beginning of the second century. Quote, all things must come to an end, and there are two alternatives before us. They are life and death, and every one of us will have to go to his own particular place. There are two different coinages, so to speak, in circulation, God's and the world's, each with its own distinctive marking. Unbelievers carry the stamp of the world, while the faithful in love bear the stamp of God the Father through Jesus Christ. Unless we are ready and willing to die in conformity with His passion, His life is not in us. Unquote. Later in the second century, a persecution of Christians began after Emperor Hadrian was initiated into a secret society known as the Eleusinian Mysteries, a group devoted to the Greek fertility goddess Demeter. 
a Christian named Aristides delivered a powerful apology to the emperor around AD 125 to demonstrate to Hadrian that Christians alone worship the true God. Aristides defends the faith by describing the way of the Christians. Quote, The Christians, O king, went about and searched, and they have found the truth. As I have learned from their writings, they have come nearer to the truth and genuine knowledge than the rest of the nations, for they know and trust in God, the creator of heaven and of earth, in whom and from whom are all things. Whatever they would not wish to do to them, they do not do to others. They comfort their oppressors and make them their friends. They follow the commandments of their Christ with much care, living justly and seriously, just as their Lord commanded them. Unquote. Following Jesus' commands was a matter of life and death for the early Christians. His yoke was not viewed as hyperbole, an ideal to be admired intellectually, or merely suggestive. If they didn't follow the commandments of Christ with much care, unbelievers would remain under God's wrath. The early Christians wanted the world whom Jesus died for to be saved. Thus, Justin Martyr wrote in his first apology, quote, Let it be understood that those who are not found living as he taught are not Christians even though they profess with the lips the teaching of Christ, unquote. I realize that sounds harsh to our privileged modern ears, but if the early Christians didn't live out what they preached, their influence on the world would have been significantly diminished. A letter to Diognetus is another 2nd century defense of Christianity to the Roman Empire, which also uses the lifestyle of followers of Jesus as one of its main appeals to the reader. This is going to be a long quote, but it's more than worth your time. Quote, For the Christians are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They observed the prescribed laws and at the same time surpassed the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored, and yet in their very dishonor they are glorified. They are evil spoken of, and yet are justified. They are reviled and bless. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners and are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. To sum up, in one word, what the soul is in the body, Christians are in the world. The flesh hates the soul and wars against it, though itself suffering no injury because it is prevented from enjoying pleasures. The world also hates the Christians, though in no wise injured, because they abjure pleasures. The soul loves the flesh that hates it and loves also the members. Christians likewise love those that hate them. The soul is imprisoned in the body, yet preserves that very body. And Christians are confined in the world as in a prison, and yet they are the preservers of the world. The soul, when but ill provided with food and drink, becomes better. In like manner, the Christians 
Though subjected day by day to punishment, increase the more in number. Unquote. As you can see, the way of the Lord is not merely about physically dying in order to receive a heavenly reward. The way of the Lamb is a lifestyle. The way of life is about being a living sacrifice. Once the Apostle Paul met Jesus, he adopted the yoke of his rabbi. Paul's belief in lifestyle martyrdom, as articulated by Jesus in the Beatitudes, is clearly seen in Romans chapter 12. Quote, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Unquote. Paul took up the yoke of his rabbi and called all disciples of Jesus to do the same. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek and the gentle. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. As followers of the Lamb, we are to be living sacrifices who take up our crosses daily. We are called to a lifestyle of martyrdom. In 1956, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot along with several other missionaries, moved to Ecuador to bring the gospel to the Alcas, a violent tribe now called the Waudani. However, the missionaries believed that the same God who transformed the Apostle Paul from a violent aggressor into a faithful witness could do the same work in the Alcas. So, Jim and the others began to strategize and plan how to make inroads with the people. The missionaries decided to use a supply plane to drop supplies and gifts into the Alka's village. They also used a loudspeaker to communicate friendly messages to the people in the Alka language. After many months of laying this foundation, Jim and the others felt it was time to make contact on the ground. One day, some of the Alcas shared a meal with the missionaries, and they even took one member of the tribe for a ride in the supply plane. Unfortunately, the goodwill demonstrated by the Alcas did not last. While the missionaries were waiting in the usual meeting spot, 
two female alcas suddenly came out of the jungle. However, as they drew near, Jim and the other male missionaries saw many alca warriors following behind with raised spears. Though Jim was carrying a gun, he refused to draw it on the alcas. The missionaries had determined not to kill the alcas in self-defense since they did not yet know Jesus. Almost immediately, the warriors murdered Ed McCulley, Roger Udarian, Nate Saint, Pete Fleming, and Jim Elliott. However, the ministry to the Alcas did not end that day. Just less than two years later, Elizabeth Elliott and her daughter Valerie, as well as Nate Saint's sister Rachel, went back to the Alca village and led many of the people to become born-again disciples of Jesus Christ. Thus, as stated earlier, following the teachings of Jesus truly is a matter of life and death. Even though Elizabeth, Valerie, and Rachel didn't die as martyrs at the hands of the Alca, they boldly and courageously followed the way of the Lamb. If you ask the early Christians, those women should be held in just as high regard as their husbands for embracing lifestyle martyrdom. They, too, were faithful witnesses of Jesus. Origen wrote in the 3rd century, Everyone who bears testimony to the truth, whether he supports it by words or by deed, or in any way whatever, may properly be called a witness. However, it has come to be the custom of the brotherhood to keep the name of witness more properly for those who have borne witness to the mystery of godliness by shedding their blood for it. Still, the Savior gives the name of witness to everyone who bears witness to the truth. Unquote. Fellow third century Christian writer Commodianus agrees quote, Even now, if you have conquered by good deeds, you are a martyr in him. You, therefore, who seek to extol martyrdom with your word, in peace, Clothe yourself with good deeds and be secure. Unquote. Over a decade ago, I came to believe intellectually in the way of the Lamb. However, to be honest, I struggled terribly with living it out. I think the reason for this internal struggle is that the way of Jesus is almost never immediately beneficial. One rarely sees God causing suffering to work out for the good instantaneously. So, I think the main area of repentance I need prayer for is that even though I know the way of the Lamb is right, my heart doesn't trust that it's beneficial. When trials bring me to a potentially painful fork in the road, far too often I choose my feelings over the truth and take the easy path. But the easy, wide road ends in destruction. As the letter to Diognetus stated, the body and the soul constantly fight against each other. The body cries out for the easy road, and the soul urges us to choose the narrow way of life. In closing, I encourage you to humbly read these spirit-filled words from the Apostle Paul, which illuminate the two paths between which we must daily choose and which call us to embrace lifestyle martyrdom. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 11 through 17 and 28 through 30, quote, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. 
For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. Unquote. Disciples like Paul, who follow the way of the Lamb, always have the end goal in mind of being with and becoming like Jesus. In the next chapter, we will begin to explore this end goal by looking at the first story of Christian martyrdom in Acts, the martyrdom of Stephen. Foundation, again, elevation. 